Welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition, where we have just started a new book and soon we'll be ending it as well. Yeah. We've just read the first four chapters of Hosea, and uh, boy, a lot to take in here, a lot, lot to, to unpack. unpack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm going to start us off just talking a little bit more about some information about Hosea and about some of the things surrounding that. And then uh, Emily has some fun uh, examples of lessons for children to give us oh, from Hosea. Dear. Oh, dear. Already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what do you have, Jennifer? What are you going to tell us about? Oh, I'm talking about raisin cakes. Cool. Oh, yeah. I love those. They're delicious. Okay. Yeah. Do, will we have another sort of Fig Newton eating challenge, but with raisin cakes? Is that a thing we're going to do? Well, it looks like you can make some of your own like huh. homemade Fig Newtons with raisins. Oh, oh fun. So maybe that's the next challenge is okay. doing some, okay. some fig-free Newton. Fig-free Newtons. Cute. We'll do like a DBS cooking show. Uh-huh. It'll be great. Newton o'clock. Okay. Love it. Cute. Love it. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Hosea. So like I mentioned before, um, he lived in Israel in the Northern Kingdom, which is a little different mm-hmm. from some of the other prophets we've been reading. Uh, the Talmud claims that he is the greatest prophet of his generation. Really? So, so little was written about him, though. This guy was a real celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe sort of a one-hit wonder, maybe had one good album, but it was a real good one, you know? So people were very, <laughs> really good very into it. It really went down in history. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Um, also, the name Hosea is apparently the original name of Joshua, the son of Nun oh. from oh, back in the day. Like Wasn't it Hosea? Yeah, I guess so. So that's the same the same name. So it's just written differently. So maybe we should call him Hosea. I don't know. Okay. But yeah, so that was before Moses gave him the longer name Yehoshua, which is what we call Joshua. So originally his name might have been the same. So that's kind of fun. Huh, fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's featured in the Quran as well. So he's, you know, big, big deal. Big deal in the world like that. He's commemorated in the calendar of the saints in the Armenian Apostolic Church. Cool. So he, he's like everyone's a fan. Everyone's a fan for someone who I'd never really heard of. Fascinating. He's like a thing that people yeah. care about. Eastern Orthodox has a day for him. The Julian calendar has a day for him. Uh, yeah, it's there's a whole it's a whole thing. Let me hit you with a few other just little pieces of information about him. So one is uh, I want to talk about his dad, whose name is Beery, which is just great. I just Beery. looked it up because. Beery is great. That's B-E-E-R-I. I guess it's got like some apostrophes and other things in there. So it's maybe Beery or something like that. But I like Beery myself. The fun thing about this is that Beery was also a prophet. Oh, but he yeah. only prophesied like a couple sentences. And so he didn't get his own book. Whoa. And instead... Do you count? Do you count as a prophet and you prophesy just a couple sentences? Yeah, that's weird. So here's the deal. His few words of prophecy, which were insufficient to be embodied in a book, they were included in Isaiah in chapter 8. Really? I don't remember this at all, but apparently Isaiah either plagiarized from him or attributed something to him. I don't know. But because of that, he's considered a prophet as well. 
Wow. Bizarre. Um, okay. So one other thing that I looked up besides Beery was just about in chapter three where we were like, wait, is Hosea getting married again? Or is this still to, are we referring to Gomer again? Was it all like a prelude right. and then the yeah. real thing, all that sort of stuff? And the answer I found is that nobody knows and people oh. love to discuss it and argue oh, about they would. it. They would. Yeah. So apparently it's that the, the wording in chapter three refers to basically a woman okay. of, you know, a promiscuous woman or whatever it is, rather than using the definite article of the woman. And so people uh-huh. look at that and go, well, then could could this might be a different woman. Another, another lady. Might be another lady. But then others are like, no, that's, that's probably her. Um, another thing is that I guess the word that they use for her maybe makes it more clear that in chapter three, we're talking about a professional prostitute and not just a promiscuous woman. And so people are like, maybe that is a different person or maybe she's become a prostitute since then. And then there's this other camp of people who are like, no, the whole thing's a metaphor, guys. Just chill. Just chill. It's really? all a metaphor. The kids didn't really exist because who would name their Gosh. kids these messed up things? I mean, it's all a metaphor. Don't worry about fair. it. Fascinating. Okay. And we'll never know. So there it is. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Raisins. I, you know what? I have a weird thing where I do not like raisins on their own. Like I'll never buy just a box of raisins and I just eat it. I do not like it. raisins on their own. Hmm. Yeah. I do not like, I do not, I will not, I'm trying to make, how do you make it into Sam I Yeah, am. into some Dr. Seuss thing. <laughs> I will not eat will raisins not, on their bun. I will not eat those raisins, sir. I will not eat them. I will not eat them with a prostitute. With a burr. I will not eat them with some ham. I do not like them. Sam, I am. No, we're not. We're clearly, no. we're not Dr. Seuss. No, so we're not. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, I will not eat raisins on their own, but I love raisins in other things. Like absolutely love it in a baked good, in cereal, mixed into yogurt, huh. like, Raisins are a good team yeah. snack. Team snack. <laughs> I, I see they're a team player, but not exactly, a solo act. Exactly. Okay. Raisins are a, uh, what's the word? A uh, sidekick at best in my life. Hmm. Okay. But I will say, reading about all these raisin okay. cakes, I'm like, oh, I could go for Ooh. a raisin cake. This sounds great. So uh, some debate for sure on was this just just pressed raisins together or was it Baked into an actual cake with some flour or grains. We yes, we did have a mention somewhere in the past about raisin cakes. And Dedeker, I think you were the one. It's like, oh, you mean like when you oh. leave a box of raisins <laughs> oh, for a gosh. while and you dump it out and it's all become one solid block of yeah. raisins. <laughs> yeah. So all kinds of theories floating around. Um, on Bible Gateway, they take the stance of no, nah, it's it's a compressed cake because it comes from a verbal root for compressed okay. cake, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, so they are mentioned okay. in Second Samuel as something that they gave to travelers and soldiers. In Isaiah, apparently they're mentioned as a delicacy in particular. And then Bible Gateway kind of goes, they don't cite a source for this, but they said that usually desiccated plant stuffs is their okay. wording, not mine. Desiccated plant stuffs <laughs> would be soaked in water or broth or mixed into a gruel or mixed with a grain for consumption. So mixed into essentially an oatmeal or maybe like a Nutri-Grain bar, huh. perhaps. And sometimes they'd be mixed together with other fruits like apricots hmm. or figs and seasoned, you know. Now, 
they get mentioned in Song of Solomon. Oh. As possibly... Is that that in the Old Testament? It is in the Old Testament. Okay. Yes. It is mentioned in Song of Solomon as possibly a food that has some fertility powers. Yeah, maybe an aphrodisiac, perhaps. Then I ended up in the hermeneutic stack exchange. Uh-huh. And I, apo- I just... Great. I mean, Love that. It's a good place to end up. Can I just apologize? It's a rowdy bunch. Can I just apologize where we're going to end up in this hermeneutic stack exchange? Just Uh-oh. prepare your hearts. Uh-oh. So, okay. So, yeah. So, someone basically posted being like, What's the deal with the raisin cakes? Why do they love the cakes of raisins? I, I get that maybe we can interpret this that they love worshiping other gods, but can someone connect the dots for me? There are a lot of answers. And yeah, so someone does the breakdown of um, the word is ashishim, which appears in Babylonian texts. And that usually referred to cakes that were uh, made of flour and honey. And then also raisins, similar to modern day halva, which is really popular in the Middle East. Okay. And so people are saying, yeah, this kind of raisin halva was probably a part of an offering for worshiping Baal. Okay. But again, it's not entirely sure. It's not entirely clear from the translation. Is Yahweh literally calling out, they just love these raisin cakes? Or is he just calling out the fact that they love worshiping other gods? Mm. Also, I think like you ran into, Jace, looking at other translations, that because the word comes from the root for pressing, there's debate of does that mean, mm. you know, like a box of raisins that you let get a little stale and pressed together? Pressed or together, does this yeah. mean wine? Oh, like pressed grapes. That's why, yeah. For instance. Oh, and that's why in some of those translations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, we may have forgotten in Second Samuel, David, everybody's favorite boy, he... Yep. Mass Yahweh's at least. He mass gifted raisin cakes to everybody in Israel. Whoa. Like Bad Oprah style. Boy. It's like you get a raisin cake and you, you get a raisin, get a raisin yes. cake. Yes, like Oprah style. Whoa. Gave it to everybody as a celebration. It was when the Ark of the Covenant came back. Oh, of course. That everybody got some raisin cakes. Huh. That's really interesting. What's the implication there? Wow. It's a <laughs> uh, that they were great. Because if you think about it, back in that day and age, you don't have refined sugar. Mm-hmm. Really, and raisins right, are this great right. dried fruit. It lasts forever, full of energy, and tastes sweet and probably delicious. And so maybe it's it's like having a bonbon. It's like having a truffle. It's like yeah. this is fantastic. Wow, that's how I would interpret that. And then we get to this person in the hermeneutic stack exchange that said, you know, like I don't know, this could be a little bit of a stretch that it's actually raisin cakes, but it probably is referring to worshiping other gods, but I don't know, but then I'm just going to read this. When you think of the often symbolic euphemisms used throughout the Bible, the true meaning is clear. Imagine what a cake solely made of raisins would look like. Many believe this line refers to sodomy. Because it looks like shit. Okay, wait, hold on. I apologize. <sighs> On behalf of this person. Does it look like... I, I think this person is stretching a little bit. Yeah, what is wrong with this person? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's funny that they criticize uh, other people of stretching their interpretation and then yeah, they're like, I think like, it's poop. Yeah, um, obviously. What? Yeah, obviously. okay. Yeah. It's, wow. it's funny because answers like that, I've noticed on Hermeneutic Stock Exchange, will often get a reply from like one of the admins being like, hey, so... Unlike other forums, this is actually not a place where we just kind of express our opinions or what we think (laughs) things should mean, but we try to back them up with like facts and references. So 
your answer is not really appropriate here. I came across one of those today, actually, while I was looking up stuff about Hosea's wife. Well, okay, this did get a response. I don't think this is from an admin, but it's someone criticizing, saying there's no evidence in the text that it says it's solely made of raisins. That's what they went after. So right. how? Okay. So we can't necessarily make the connection <laughs> that it must have been poop-like in nature. My God, okay. poop-like um, in nature. None of. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wow. None of this makes any sense. Now I did find a lot of Christian blogs that had their own recipes for fun. Oh, that's cakes, good. And that was cool. So some mm, people are kind of like, tell us like a, a rundown. Yeah, you know, take specifically taking the reference to it in Song of Solomon, which we'll get to where. I think if I'm reading this reference in Song of Solomon with the sexiest possible lens, it really mm-hmm. is like we're just so tired from oh, from doing it, screaming, licking and sucking uh, and yeah, doing yeah. it okay. that we need some raisin cakes to get us, you know, to refresh us. Literally, the line is refresh me with raisin cakes. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it. We'll get there when okay. we get to Song yeah. of Solomon. We'll so this there. lady was like, <laughs> here's a raisin cake recipe. But then other Christian blogs are like, what's your raisin cake? in your life. What? What are you treating like a raisin cake that's taking you away from God, that's distracting you from God? What are you forsaking God for? What is your raisin cake? Wow. Wow. Anyway, I really want a raisin cake right now. You've learned so much about them that now you want them. I've learned so much about them, but I'm still pro-raisin cake, despite all the trials and tribulations we've gone through in the last five minutes. Truly. That's what I got. (sighs) Okay. So there were a lot of potential object lessons in this book already. We just like got hit with them when we began immediately. Yeah. Marrying a prostitute, naming your kids bad things. Love it. Totally. And it's all, you know, a metaphor for Israel or whatever, being a bad wife and not Isaiah. I typed into Google Hosea object lesson and what spat back out at me was this website called futureflyingsaucers.com. Oh, with a name like that, how can you yeah. go wrong? We're off to a good start. Yeah, Dedeker, I want you to I want you to look at it along with Manchase. All right, I'm here. So it's this lovely woman who is creating an object lesson, but specifically for children. So she prefaces this by saying at the beginning that the scripture uses such words as harlot and prostitute. If you're teaching younger children or these words are uncomfortable to use, substitute words such as an unfaithful wife or lived with a man she was not married to. That counts as both of us. Okay, a little little bit sanitized, but I guess it gets the point across. Okay, Yeah. So essentially, she creates this object lesson in this cute little video. And it's all about really essentially Jesus washing away our sins is what I got out of it, essentially. And so... She does make that mention a lot. Yes, yes. which again, you know, I I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're reading this, you know, in the Jewish order. And (laughs) so Jesus is not a part of this at all. And it was not a part of it when it was written either. So to me, it's a stretch or at least like an evangelical type viewpoint to put Jesus on this, right? Am I yeah, wrong? Yeah, no, I think that's, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, yeah. I think this is great progress that we're making here because mm-hmm. I know in the past you would look up stuff like this, Emily, and be like, people say it's Jesus, so I guess it's Jesus. And instead it's like, we've kind of looked at like, well, 
that's kind of a different thing people later put on it. And, you know, theologically, you can believe whatever you want, but like, that's not what this was written about when it was originally written. Totally. And the other Dave and my, my partner, who's no longer uh, a Christian, but was once, he was like, oh, you're reading about the prophets and you can, you know, eventually once you get to the New Testament, you'll see how all of them were really about Jesus, like what they prophesized. And I was like, but that's like a really Christian way of viewing this book and this like section of the Bible. And he's like, well, yeah. you know, you're reading the Christian Bible. And I'm like, no, I'm reading. It's also the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's also like, like, what is this? Is this the Pentateuch or what is it? Or is it the to? to-, to-, to- <laughs> no, this is the Nevi'im. Nevi'im okay. is the book we're reading Nevi'im. now. Yeah. So the, the Hebrew Bible has three sections. There's okay. the Pentateuch, which is the okay. first five books. Penta, right? The yeah. first five books. Yeah, the, the Torah. The Torah. That's the Torah. Pentatonics. Okay, yeah. The Pentatonics, <laughs> yes. Uh, and then there's the Prophets, which mm-hmm. were still, was the major prophets, and then also the minor prophets are all part of that. And then there's the the other part, which I forget what it's called. Okay, so this is the prophets. But that, like, the other part is where we're going to get into stuff like Song of Solomon, Mm -hmm. uh, Psalms and Proverbs, and when we get into Chronicles again and stuff like that. So, But this is all still Jewish writing. Yeah, absolutely. People writing it were Jews. not about Jesus. The people saying it, there was Jews writing about Jews. Yeah. Written down by Jews. Yes, absolutely. And then later got included in the Christian Bible because Jesus was a Jew which is important to remember. Mm, yeah. And so were all of his followers were Jews, right? That's yeah. that was the whole deal. Um, no, 100%. But I will say like to to this whole point though, like in the New Testament, they quote the prophets a lot. Mm. So like they they were it's not like modern day people have been like, "Look, they're connected." It's like, "No, they at the time were saying, "Hey, look, we're fulfilling that prophecy that was prophesied before. So like, sure. they also were doing this same thing of like, look, it's all connected. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. But it is fascinating to look at from like 30,000 feet and kind of be like, is it yeah. though? I don't know. Yeah, definitely. But yeah. yeah, anyway, just to kind of round it out, this lady has a like 12 minute long video on this object lesson that she says that she should be doing that you all out there uh, Bible scholars or whatever, people teaching the Bible to children. I assume homeschool teachers or moms homeschooling their kids. Maybe. Oh, so I was yeah, thinking I this know. was Sunday school teachers, but yeah, could be any. That too. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense to me. But But essentially, yeah, you're supposed to ask the kids, are people still rebellious against God? How does God pay our debts? And then do the object lesson, which is this. So you have two like big tubs of water and you have a white cloth and also iodine and also this, what is it? Photo, it's a a D76 D76. photo, yeah, photo developer. Yes, I know what's going to happen because I saw this object lesson probably at least six times in my upbringing. Really? Really? Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe this lady is, yeah, she's not creating a novel experience. It's just (laughs) something that happened to her once upon a time too. But yeah, essentially she takes, you know, this white cloth and shows the kids, wow, look at, look at, this is the white cloth and this is Adam and Eve before, you know, they ate the apple and all that stuff. And then she throws iodine on it and she's like, oh, I can't get this iodine off with this water. 
And then she puts it over into the photo developer. And she says, look at this is Jesus cleansing us of our sins. And then all of a sudden the photo developer gets the iodine off and then the white cloth is good as new. Yeah. And then after that, you're supposed to ask the kids, how are you unfaithful to God like Gomer was to Hosea? You're supposed to ask children this. And then what did God Mm. do to you that you do not deserve? Like do for you? And then how can you respond to this truth? I guess like, Mm. I don't know, the the truth of Jesus. I'm not sure. But anyways, this all blew (laughs) Uh my mind. Nothing that I have ever been exposed to, but it sounds like Dedeker has been exposed to it a lot. Oh, yes. The number of like homebrew magic tricks that yeah. I get whipped out for yeah. object lessons for Christianity is constant. Yeah. Yeah. That, that specific one. Magic of, tricks are hot in the. Yeah. In the, the white cloth. The white cloth yeah. gets stained somehow. Then the white cloth gets magically put into something that looks like water. Cause that's the thing. Photo developer is clear usually. Yeah. You know, yeah. it looks like water. Kids don't know that it's photo developer. You put it in. It's like, oh my God, magically. Oh my God. Jesus yeah. washes away our sin. But, but wait, how does this connect to Hosea? That's a great question. She's just, I think, <laughs> saying that, like, that it's, I don't know, that Hosea, they're talking about Hosea and and all of the, like, the bad things. And essentially, like, these are all the things, the iodine is all the things that, that, you did that are uh, they're speaking of in the beginning of Hosea, all the stuff that we read today, mm-hmm. and that Jesus is eventually going to take away all the sin and all the bad things. I love here that that she says on her list of questions to ask the children. Yes. One of them is, what does it mean to act like a harlot? Why? It's like, okay. Okay, lady. Lady. Yeah. So if all of you out there want to go to futureflyingsaucers.com, I mean, it is fascinating just like looking. It says Bible object lessons for kids. Show it, teach it, live it. And it's basically saying like, this is improving the Bible literacy of children, you know, through these object lessons. And it looks like she does a lot of cool stuff with, I don't know, dry ice and crap like that. And she's wearing gloves and doing a lot of fun things. It looks like she's lighting a $10 bill on fire. I don't know. Anyways. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So, but it it is fascinating. I just, I, I feel like I understand more now, like the kind of shame that would be brought into one's life mm. by asking questions like, what is it like <laughs> to be a harlot? When all mm. that you learn about the word harlot is from the Bible and that this is not a thing that you want to be according mm. to the Bible, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Or, or asking like, what has God done for you that you don't deserve? What yeah. are the ways that you've what? been bad at God? Like what? Yeah. 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 Everyone go around and share. You can see why so many of us have have shame and guilt complexes around so many yeah. things. Because even if you yeah. don't get raised in the church, it's like this is still in the, the crust and the yeah. foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's not a part of my life, but still. I mean, I have plenty of, of things to be shamed. You still grew up in our culture, though. Like, it's yeah. in the air we breathe. Yeah, it is oh, fascinating. Yeah. Really yeah, fascinating. Definitely. So, boy, oh, boy. Wow. All righty. One thing that I wanted to leave us with at the end here, and I think this is good for us to keep in mind, maybe with all of the prophets that we're reading. This is a quote from Elizabeth Achtemeyer uh, in 1975. She's a biblical scholar. And the quote is this 
Probably the principal error found in modern preaching from the prophetic books is that of turning their messages into timeless eternal truths. Um, I don't know about truth. No, she said that's the key error is when you try to turn their messages into timeless eternal truths. Or like when you try to turn this into a message about like how marriage should work, how men should treat women, those things, that's where you get into trouble. Because they weren't that. They were very specific pieces of history making prophecies about a very specific point in time to a very specific group of people. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting that just mm. that like from 1975 that she's just like that's the problem is when you try to make them into lessons like this woman did that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's good for us to keep in mind yeah. maybe as we're reading all of this. Absolutely. Wow. All righty. Well, we're going to do two more episodes of Hosea and then we'll move on to perhaps not as polarizing a prophet, but who knows? We'll see. Who knows? But it's the always, next one's only you know, going to be one episode. Whole book, one episode. Oh, so. okay. So whatever. Yeah, bada bing, bada boom. But I mean... Exactly. Yeah, we have two more episodes of Hosea and then one episode of a random us yeah. prophet. So yeah, we'll see y'all then. Can't wait. Bye.